career continued through the 80s and 90s up to their 2000 release Minor Earth Major Sky, which went gold in Europe. But in the States, they'll always be known for their 1985 hit and video. Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops sticking. Watching X-Files with no lights on. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy, one-hit wonder, Shepard, and this is... Mitchell Manley, a.k.a. Millie Vanilli Ice. <laughs> oh... It just went worse. <laughs> yeah, just by a little bit. Yeah, just a smidge, just a bit. So it was worse. Here's just a mashup. I know, uh, I think Brian posted a Millie Vanilli song, and uh, Vanilla Ice was also more or less a one-hit wonder, so I just figured I'd and shovel those in, in together into one and make it my nickname this week. And Snow. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Snow. That <laughs> I don't think that got posted, but uh, we, we were talking about it in the chat with Craig, I think. Oh, yeah. I think that we did the, sh- I don't even know what episode it was on, but we had Snow on the one song. Yeah. Informer. Yeah. And that's like he's a reggae artist that's Canadian mm-hmm. and super white. And- Dude, apparently like I know some people that are super deep into like the reggae scene and like all that sort of stuff and they say that he's actually like the real deal that he's like super respected. Uh he runs with like the right people apparently. I don't know. Snow is apparently know. the real deal. From the outside <laughs> it looking looks, in, yeah. it looks very very culturally appropriated. Very much so. So I don't know. I would step softly through there. Now, this week isn't really necessarily one-hit wonders, but it's one-hit blunders. Yeah. And I I know you and Craig were talking about it, yeah. or you came up with this, like, turn of phrase. Yeah, he, he said something about, uh, he gave us a suggestion of one-hit wonders, which we had not done, uh, I don't think, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think we've so. done one. And I was like... Maybe we should change it up just a little bit and do like the the lesser known cousin of the one hit wonder. It's the one hit blunder, which is a band that, you know, may or may not be a popular band or may or may not have a lot of hits, but they only have one song that you give a shit about. And then maybe you don't like anything else they they did. Yeah, exactly. It's just like all the other stuff does nothing for you, but there's one song that just really gets you hype. It's like that one song that really stood out, but actually didn't represent the band. Right, exactly. (laughs) Now, you... You picked a very interesting one, really sticking with this one-hit blunder in your own like vision yeah. with yours. What did you bring? Yeah, so I brought uh, All of the Lights by Kanye West. I did. I slapped my girl. She caught a fits. I did that time and spent that bread. I'm headed home. I'm almost there. I'm on my way. Headed up the stairs. To my surprise, a replacing me. I had to take them to that And uh, yeah, I, I did sort of pick this to demonstrate what separates our theme from its more popular cousin, the one-hit wonder. Uh, obviously, Kanye has tons of mainstream hits, but this is the only one that he really hit me with, you know. 
Uh, I remember being like 16 or 17, and Kanye got really big with his debut record, but it just never hooked me. And little did I know the spectacle that he would become. <laughs> uh, I don't know. His lyrics are occasionally pretty clever, but for the most part, his rhymes have never been my style. Uh, from the start, it's always been the production that's the real highlight of any of his music for me. Um, almost the entirety of that first record, I think, was like the chipmunk soul thing. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, but oh, I, yeah. I remember that the gold digger thing. Was that from that first record? Yeah. Okay. I, well, I think that may have been his second record, but it the, exactly that that uh, where he takes old gospel or R and B samples and speeds them up, where it sounds like chipmunk singing, and <laughs> it's a really neat thing. But I thought it was going to be like a one trick pony sort of thing with that, but he actually branched out, and I'm glad he did. Um, you know, I don't think he's hip hop's messiah by any means, but he seems to, he, he definitely <laughs> thinks he is. Uh, he but really yeah, the does. instrumental track for this particular song, All the Lights, is just super slamming. One of the greatest productions in hip hop history, if you ask me. Like the horns and like the really busy beat just get me pumped as hell. And Rihanna's hook is really brilliant. It's the one Kanye song that I really do truly love. Well, I super love Rihanna like so much. And I was a band geek. Right, of course. So I, the horns, and then it's says all the lights a lot of times and i was like "Ooh, this is gonna be about marching bands and so that kind of brought me in thinking of this like joyful place for me thinking about it and it does have some social commentary and i felt like this was a very honest record from kanye and i don't mm -hmm. know that he makes music that is really relevant to uh to people that much anymore i'm not sure i don't listen to his new stuff that much because there's a lot of stuff i don't like about kanye yeah that's a whole separate conversation for sure <laughs> right and you know it's it, it's a really cool production that i i think like you were saying it really hits you that this is really good i've never really been a fan of his vo voice like his vocal texture yeah, as much either. i haven't really listened too much to his lyrics i really did like gold digger that yeah. probably is my like one favorite kanye song but um I really don't know if this is that representative of what he does yeah, because the most I'm part, not familiar. So. Yeah, like yeah. I'm just not that familiar. I know that he's Jesus and <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> I brought something. I kind of tried to find a band that I didn't like the rest of their music because I tend to like, you know, my my mantra is every song somebody's favorite song yeah, sure. and i really like tried to be that kind of friendly person so i found a band that i was like mm, there's got to be one song i like from this band because the rest of it's pretty bad it's steam powered giraffe honeybee you didn't have to smile at me your grin's the sweetest that i've ever seen but you did Yes, you did. You didn't have to offer your hand. Cause since I've kissed it, I am at your command. But you did. Oh, a turpentine erase me whole. Who don't want to live my life alone?
rest of their catalog is really busy. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on in every single song. But Honey Bee is a pretty simple little ditty, and it, it doesn't have this, like, terrible 1920s steampunk theme that the rest of the songs yeah. do. Um, it is... It's a steampunk band, apparently, that's super gimmicky. A lot of their lyrics and other songs are, you know, about gears and steam and oil <laughs> and that they're automatons. This one, I think, has, like, one circuit, like, reference. And I was like, okay. But it has this very 1920s um, love song. But, you know, kind of like you could sing it in the kitchen while you're cooking to, like, the person cooking with you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this could be, like, a really sweet song. And it has these beautiful harmonies that blend super well together. And it does not represent the rest of the catalog. Yeah, I didn't dig too, too <laughs> far into the rest of their stuff. I heard, like, one or two other songs, you know. Watching the video off the bat, I really wanted to hate it because it just seems like a really silly, like novelty act, like with the steampunk. I, I really up think and all it that. is a really silly novelty. But act. it the the song takes this little minor key turn. Um, yeah, like it takes this minor key turn, and the vocals start out kind of theatrical and kind of affected. But then whenever it takes that turn and like the harmonies come in. My opinion definitely shifted a lot about the song. Uh, the lyrics are like really touching and sentimental in a very genuine way. And the harmonies are like incredibly arranged. A lot of it sounds kind of like Freddie Mercury in some parts. And they let the song like really build and swell, saving the drums for the very end of the song and only bring them in enough <laughs> to like give it this extra, you know, push at the end, a little bit of push uh, in energy toward the end of the song and pick it up. It's pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, our, our our listeners can definitely be thankful that this is an audio only format because <laughs> oh, so the video hard. is like very kitschy and distracting, and the song I think bodes way better whenever you're not looking at them in their like silver face paint with steampunk get up. I don't know. And then the fact that they're essentially doing the robot. Yeah, they're like pretending the to be robots. It's cool. They're really good at it. But yeah, but. It, it just distracts from, like, the one meaningful song I imagine in their catalog. <laughs> I feel like this is the one meaningful song because the rest of them was like, ooh. But you know what? I bet that there are a ton of steampunk people who love them. Yeah, I'm sure they're everyone's favorite band in the steampunk community. <laughs> yes. And they dress like automatons and it's, 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 it's kind of cringy, I guess, if you're not in that, like... It's a little over the top. Yeah, it's very over the top. There were... I realize now that there are songs from bands uh, that only you know, this song people like mm -hmm. when I will love an entire album. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of those. <laughs> yes. The Ear Buddies really brought that out. I was like, wow, I realize there are a lot of people who hate a lot of bands that I really like. Um, Brian starts out with some 41's Fat Lips. Do it again. Don't count on me 
and I was like, this just reminds, you know exactly who I'm talking I do. about. Yeah, I was like, this just reminds me of being in high school. I had a boyfriend during that time who loved Sum 41 and played a lot of their music. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. You were in a band with them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was in a band with them and we played a bunch of Sum 41 songs and listened to, he used to take me to school uh, in my senior or my uh, junior year of of high school and we would just listen to so much Sum 41 in his car. <laughs> yeah, so I know like I'm very familiar with Sum 41 and it reminds me of like all these good feelings at high school. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how good this song is or how like genius they are. It's very are. well crafted. Yeah, and I think sometimes it kind of blended into like Blink-182 which was popular at the same time and it's where MTV was focusing and Hot Topic started opening chains across America. Mm-hmm. So I mean, where would Hot Topic be without some 41? Uh, this pretty much is like an anthem for like waking up in the morning so that you don't feel like a cog in the machine. Right, yeah. And there's this like Beastie Boys. I didn't realize who the Beastie oh, yeah, Boys yeah. were. And I was like listening. I was like, oh my God. They must be huge fans of yeah, the Beastie absolutely. Boys. Because I was like, I didn't realize how Beastie Boys like. And it's not even like a you know a rip off it's very much like slid in there like hey here's this very beastie boys thing going on that we're going to kind of mimic but in this very respectful way yeah some 41 was always really good at that in in my opinion um of all the songs that the ear buddies submitted this week this one is definitely the only one that i have to like vehemently disagree with <laughs> about the rest of their catalog some 41 is actually a really interesting case to me they seem to be a rare case of a band who their first hits were like really poppy and derivative but then their later releases actually were a lot more street savvy and really show off their punk credentials um to an average listener some 41 may indeed seem kind of derivative uh to some people but because of their they, they wore their influences really prominent on their sleeves you know and uh, like you said the beastie boys thing once you know is is definitely pretty clear oh yeah um but yeah, they fuse a lot of their influences into their sound pretty seamlessly. The Beastie Boys thing, and then the guitars in this song are like kind of a standard pop punk fare. And then the lyrics, they mention <laughs> that Maiden and Priest were the gods that they praised, talking about Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. <laughs> and those influences show in a lot of their other songs. Um, for a laugh, you can check out their song Pain for Pleasure, which is like this pastiche of Judas Priest, <laughs> like in the style of Judas Priest. Um, and then for what I would call a, a near perfect punk record, listen to their second album. It's called Does This Look Infected? <laughs> it's got like the catchy pop punk choruses better than Blink-182 ever could have dreamed of. It's got like the straightforward street punk and hardcore and thrashy influences. The guitar solos are a lot of times these really intricate twin lead guitars straight out of like new wave of British heavy metal. <laughs> uh, it's just a really excellent distillation of like the earwormy elements of, of punk music through the years. So. Yeah, it really did like I, I you know what I probably kind of like blended it into my relationship when I was like in high school but some 41 is pretty legit are they still yeah. together I think they are they put out a record maybe two years ago I think um one of their main like their lead guitar player had left the band for a few years and they disbanded and then they got back together and yeah the the new record was pretty slamming I, to be I, honest i feel like this music's aging better than a lot of blink 182 yes i agree so there were some honest like heartfelt blink 182 songs but then there's like you know the whatever the 27 whenever whatever that song is you know yeah. which one it is I, yeah it's it's just not my yeah blink <laughs> got pretty bad toward the end yeah but some 41 just got better and better it seemed yeah um, probably their hair got better definitely so <laughs> um jody brings john mayer's gravity gravity is working again 
against me And gravity Wants to bring me down Oh, I'll never know What makes this man With all the love That his heart can stand dream of ways to throw it all away whoa, whoa. gravity is working against me and gravity I'm gonna argue that I love John Mayer uh, I think that he's pretty controversial in many ways. Um, there's some views he holds that I don't agree with. Sometimes he's totally swarmy and douchey. And then there's these like t- times where he's like, masturbation's normal. And I'm like, I agree <laughs> with that. Um, this song is super bluesy. And I think that it kind of encapsulates a lot of what I like about John Mayer's vocals. He is a really good guitarist, but a lot of people kind of blow him off because he is a very pretty boy. Right, of, yeah. um of like kind of I guess top 40 type style stuff yeah sure so he's like the pretty boy of maybe like would be what is like white stripes and then there was that god-awful song Wonderland that we couldn't escape from gravity is really good it has nothing to do with actual science because gravity doesn't have an intention but I'm a fan of the metaphor yeah, I'm into that. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a huge John Mayer fan, but uh, whenever I briefly went to audio production school, learning to like record bands and stuff, this song was one of the examples that my teachers used the most. Uh, the instrumentation is all individually super minimal, but they coalesce perfectly into the arrangement to keep the song moving forward and keep it from getting too boring. Uh, the drum groove is like really consistent the whole way through. It only has like a little subtle change from the hi hat to this little sizzly ride <laughs> symbol toward the end. Uh, there's an organ sound that you can barely hear. That, I've never noticed. Yeah, it just it. has this like really atmospheric undergrowth for the whole song. And then the bass is actually the thing that does the most moving around throughout the song, and even it stays pretty much in the pocket. Um, you know, I could do I could do without his voice in most of his songs, but he is legitimately a good blues guitar player for whatever that's worth anymore. Uh, he apparently got his start as a Stevie Ray Vaughan cover act, which I can totally see him like slaying the hell out of. Oh yeah, like I could totally see that because you know he does have the guitar chops. Yeah, and that first John Mayer record, he has like some more kind of jazzy chords that he uses in some of the slower songs. And it really shows that he's he is a really, really great guitar player. He knows it backwards and forwards, but um, he's just not using his powers for the best good, I think. Is it because he's a pretty boy? It may be because <laughs> of that terribly hilarious note-squeezing face he has whenever he plays his solos. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen He, like, it. sticks out his tongue, and, like, it's it's really goofy looking, but, hey, we all have our funny faces, I, I think suppose. Hot Ones covered, like, his weird face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Quincy brings Alien Ant Farm, or as he said, Alien Ant Farm, but not that song you're thinking of. And this one is Movies. One. 
this lead singer was always so distracting to me. <laughs> <laughs> the hair, and he has like this very disturbing mouth thing that kind of freaks me out. So I think a lot of times I would listen to the music and just not watch the videos, which are still pretty clever. I don't know what genre this is. And, you know, of the songs that are not covers, because I think of them a lot of, and, you know, with their covers of Michael Jackson songs. Um, this song I do appreciate, although I've never really delved into the rec- rest of the record. Um, I tried to classify this genre because I didn't yeah. know. And I was like, I think it's Jinkos and Vans, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound of Jinkos and Vans when they had just fallen out of style. So it's like right, yeah. stale Jinkos. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know it sounds really mean, but I was like, I don't know. I did appreciate this like metaphor of life being like the movies. Like there's this veil between what we're experiencing and what is actually happening. That's only like our interpretation of what's happening. And then of course the the actual video is really clever because it's referencing a lot of the movies of our childhood. Yeah, I definitely love that video. It's it's super hilarious and tons <laughs> how about of... that hair that's shaved? Line? Yeah, exactly. He has like the he has a a very close shaved head and then in he has like shaved apart into it's it it's awful so. it's silly looking it's but awful. he doesn't you know, do that anymore. it's very characteristic <laughs> um i'm actually super into alien ant farm's first two records uh, i remember hearing movies long before the smooth criminal cover came out and i was totally in love with it uh, their vocalist has a super unique style and sound and their bassist and drummer are both like virtuosically good at their instruments uh, i'm sorry the bassist always found incredibly adorable he is a very <laughs> adorable dude he makes some cute faces and so he's cute. just hella good at the bass <laughs> Um, he shows off a good bit in this song and their drummer kind of, he's a little more reticent to show off his chops, but if you pay attention to like the fills and the sort of transitions between different parts of the songs, you'll definitely catch on the guitar player. And a lot of their other songs uses some really cool effects on the guitars and like really neat delay tricks to make it sound even more intricate and mathy. Um, makes for some pretty uh, interesting and inventive sounds. Are they mathy as a band? Not really, but just some of the guitar tricks that he uses make makes his guitar riffs sound a little bit more technical than they actually are. Oh, so like he slides into these things and like makes it look complicated. Yeah, it's, sound it's really cool. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, they kind of get piled in with like pop punk and emo bands a lot for some reason. The jingos uh, and the bands. Yeah, it's it's really tough to kind of categorize them, but I've always loved that about them. They're they're super unique and underrated in my opinion. I I know that there are plenty of people who are in bands who are like Alien Ant Farm's actually really good. Yeah. Nobody pays attention to it. But yeah, here's the thing: is they didn't sound like anything else from that time period. Really, yeah, that's the way I feel about it. And the vocalist definitely. His style, I don't know, maybe it's the way he holds his mouth, which is very disturbing to me, but the way he, like, glides in and out of, like, his, you know, singing, it seems really, I don't know, I don't know if it's, like, the um, production or it's just how he sounds. Yeah, it's really cool, and, like, lyrically... Uh, when he's singing, he he omits words and sentences, especially in this one. He does during like a breakdown part of the song, and it just makes this it makes the lyrics like really staccato sounding and like really punchy sounding. And like I had not heard other vocalists utilize that sort of a technique where he trusts the listener to still understand the lyrics, even though he's leaving out particular words to make it more punchy. Oh, you know, I never even noticed he was leaving out words. Huh. Yeah. I feel like I learned something. John S. brings David Gray's Babylon. Saturday, I'm running wild, and all the lights are changing red to green. Moving through the crowds, I'm pushing chemicals and rushing in my bloodstream. 
It is like, have you noticed a few of these songs have been from like the early 2000s? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this one, I don't think I ever knew who did it. I know that I heard it on the radio a lot. I have no idea what the rest of the catalog is about. Um, it's very soulful. Uh, I think some of the lyrics get kind of mushy and don't really necessarily make a ton of sense, but I think that's because I was young when I was listening to it. So I was trying to figure out, okay, why are we talking about Babylon? And I went back and listened to it a couple of times, actually, because apparently I hadn't paid attention to it like earlier. And so from what I could understand, um, this is the end of a relationship or relationship has slipped away and he's screwed up and wasn't really open about his feelings. So Babylon is in reference to the fact that the two people in the relationship weren't talking the same language. Right. Yeah. So it, it seems it's so much smarter now that I'm older. When I was younger, it made no sense. And I had no idea what the lyrics were. Yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I I never listened to this whole record either but i do remember david gray and i remember the album was called white ladder and i never listened to it but i just remember you know seeing this video on mtv a bunch uh and it was always on the tv and radio constantly so i definitely remember that but uh i don't know i'm not i'm not crazy about his like mush mouth vocal style is it like a bob dylan type of kind of sorta because that's what i was like saying i was like this is very mushy Kinda slurry and mush mouth i don't yeah. know but i do remember liking it back then and listening now uh I actually like it a lot more even there's a lot of cool like production stuff going on there's some like weird electronic sounds going on in the background that give the song some character um i'm kind of curious to hear the rest of the record now uh john who submitted this he usually knows his stuff so if he says the rest of it was a disappointment <laughs> he's probably right but i'm gonna have to check it out for myself because I, I really uh i dig this extra than than i did whenever i listened to it in my teens you yeah know? i think it's because we had no life experience at that time. yeah you're probably right and i guess this person was uh david gray was a little more experienced in life to know what was happening i sure. don't know but we're all kind of idiots and teenagers sorry if there's any teenagers listening right now you guys are the cool smart teenagers yeah y'all guys are the smartest and coolest teenagers bruce springs the smithereens a girl like you says i think this band is the definition of a one-hit wonder literally every one of their other songs is generic garbage but you can tell they poured their hearts and all their talent into this one this song rules um i don't know anything from the smithereens i this song is like kind of gruffy like instrumentally 
but the vocals are very clear and it's like an unexpected mixing situation where they layered it in such a way a lot of instrumental gruffiness usually gets layered on top of the vocals and this wasn't really like that they almost feel very separated so that you could definitely hear what was going on and i really appreciate that it's a it's actually a very sweet kind of uh saccharine love song it's pandering which i think a lot of love songs are supposed to be right yeah and it hits dating's na- like dating's nail on the head that's pretty much what i was like oh okay this is like the pandery love song that you really do expect like to hear yeah i've i've unconsciously heard this song a million times uh and never really taken much note of it but in like kind of actively listening to it for the podcast it seems like i would totally love this band they have to be incredible right um all the tricks of a good power pop song are in there you've got the intricate male and female vocal harmonies it's got this pre-chorus tag that takes the song into a minor key momentarily which gives it this like curious tension and release into the chorus uh, the keys keep a steady beat on the root note of the key of the song. And then it's got the fat, like, steady snare drum that dominates the mix. And those combine to give an otherwise mid-tempo song this, like, tremendous momentum. Uh, the guitars, like you were saying, they have a lot of attitude, I think. It's like, yeah. if you sped them up and, like, cranked up the amps, it would almost <laughs> sound like a Kiss song really? or something. Yeah, they're, like, very powerful song. Um, our ear buddy, Jeremy Scott, uh, he's my go-to for anything power poppy and catchy. Uh, he linked a few other Smithereens tracks that he uh, wanted to defend their integrity a little bit. So make sure you check those out on the Facebook thread. Yeah, I saw him like, he's like, no, actually, the rest of their stuff is not generic garbage. There is some good stuff going on in there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I like the I like the fact that there probably are like maybe one song that we've picked out of these bands. And yeah. people will like the whole record. Yeah. So uh, I guess there's always like an every album has a favorite fan too. Even if there's songs that don't make sense together. Asia rounds out the ear buddies today with Blind Melon's No Rain. says this seems like an obvious choice to me but i'm off on a camping trip so service is limited always loved the song but i never cared for the rest of the album and i think this was their only studio album before the lead singer died yikes that's sad mm-hmm. um heroin i think it was cocaine because i was like why really? did he die but you know i've been speedballing it there was a lot of drugs i think in his life because he had like somebody with him like two days before he died who was supposed to keep him from doing drugs i I actually deep dived on something oh nice i know i learned something um there's a lot i don't know about this band and i don't think i've heard anything else but this one i know that every once in a while people talk about the little girl who was the bumblebee and Mm -hmm. she'll have an interview about what it was like to be the bumblebee from this video um the cool thing about this song is 
you hear it and the guitars and everything have this kind of bell quality to them or that's the only way i can it's very chimey yeah it's very chimey it's very clear i can i don't know like you hear like those first three notes and you're like oh okay we're doing this song and it really builds the whole song is built around this kind of like chimey clear but kind of like i don't know how to describe it it's kind of like swishy too i don't know it's an homage to the 70s which i don't know much about and but it doesn't have this like super gimmicky definitely have a lava lamp in your room sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah um in high school and the years immediately following high school I was, I was actually a pretty huge fan of blind melon i had all their albums and uh, even had a huge blind melon sticker that stretched the entire width of my back glass on my 1997 Buick LeSabre. Oh, your car was even newer than my car, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was I was super into them. Um, if their if their singer Shannon Hoon hadn't died, I'm pretty sure that they'd be slaying on the on the hippie festival circuits and stuff. Um, in in retrospect, I don't think that they were doing anything like significantly groundbreaking musically, but they definitely encapsulated that strange middle ground of the California style, kind of between the sunshiny, beautiful weather, and then the skid row full of drug addicts and vagrants who've fallen beneath, you know, between the cracks. Um, they were a hallmark band to a certain demographic of the modern hippies, like trying to find some of that peace and love in the midst of the grunge, uh, the grunge movement and. Also in the wake of hair metal, which as a bit of trivia, Shannon Hoon, Blind Melon singer, was best friends with Axl Rose <laughs> of Guns N' Roses, and uh, Axl Rose helped Blind Melon gain some of uh, their notoriety and traction in the early days. Oh, well, I wouldn't have known that. That's pretty cool. And those are those are two sounds that would not stick together in the same room. Yeah. That is, I mean, they both had long hair, though. Both had long hair, and they both had substance abuse problems. Yeah, and... I'm sure is Axel Rose still struggling with this? I'm not sure. Who knows? He he certainly looks like he's got some struggles. I don't know yeah. if it's with drugs. <laughs> it's just stress, maybe. Maybe he's stressed. Yeah. Oh, uh, we forgot an email from last week. Oh. Yeah, we did. We got an email from David who's like, Have you guys done a song parody episode? Songs by Weird Al, Dr. Demento, Monty Python, Adam Sandler, to name a few. Keep up the good work, David. We did do a funny songs. And that was episode 49. Mm. Um, but it wasn't parody songs. And now, it also wasn't with Mitchell Manley no, as the co-host. it wasn't with Mitchell Manley. It's almost been a year since we did that episode. Um, which I, I can't believe it's been a year. It's gone so <laughs> fast. Um, but yeah, like, would you want to do a parody episode? I would definitely want to do a parody episode. I, I have tons of great ideas for that. I would love to do an all Weird Al episode. And not only would I... like. I would love to do an all Weird Al episode where there's zero parodies and it's all his pastiche songs that are like in the style of. Those are like brilliant and really show why I love Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. I got a good tidbit for you. So around the time we did the funny songs, mm-hmm. Eureka podcasted a breakdown of their top 10 favorite and it was a two-parter of Weird Al songs, and it was, like, mostly original songs. Yeah, that's the best. (laughs) They really are, like, the most brilliant songs in his catalog. He has one called Germs that's a Nine Inch Nails pastiche, and it is so on the nose. It is perfect. I I seriously think Craig and you might be the same person It's very possible. (laughs) So we might do parodies, and if we do a whole Weird Al thing, we have to get far enough away from Eureka Podcast, like, Breakdown, so that they don't think we're copying them. Right, yeah. Yeah, because 
we're not copying. It was a suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you do want to be like David suggests stuff, you can always tweet at the show at ENDpod and... At Pow I Gotcha. And me, I'm at Madam Woolite. The Facebook group, which is always filled with an amazing amount of songs and discussions and all the really cool stuff, uh, is Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on Facebook. Um, until August 23rd, the Best of Memphis is uh, you know doing their Best of Memphis oh, yeah. ballot thing, and we're on the ballot. I can't believe that. That's I know. awesome. So we'd really love for you to go ahead and vote. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Uh, for whenever, you know, the, that stuff that happens that shows up and describes the podcast. <laughs> um, our voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. Hey. And you can be like David as well and email the show, andypod at gmail.com. I will not forget your email next time. I promise. What is the final song for this show? So this is uh, probably the first one that, that came to mind when we talked about doing this. It's uh, a song called Lake Michigan from a band called Rogue Wave. Uh, <laughs> the song is so catchy and poppy and wonderful, and I've been dying to find another song in their catalog that reaches this level of perfection. But unfortunately, none <laughs> of their other songs are even like remotely close. Um they're not like a notorious band by name, but their songs are on tons of TV shows and movies, like the OC and Scrubs. Oh, and really? The Napoleon Dynamite soundtrack, and like their songs are apparently everywhere. But I would just not have stuck the song with that. Yeah, and and like I've asked friends who who are into this band to give me some songs to give like an extra close listen to, and all of it just seems <laughs> super bland and schlocky, other than that song. But this one. The drums are just so energetic and dynamic, and they have this like excellent lockstep vocal harmonies throughout the whole song. The chorus has this really neat descending noodly <laughs> guitar part that's reminiscent of like Beatles and a lot of other like poppy Brit rock. It's super catchy, so I hope you dig some Rogue Wave. All right, I thought it was really good. Yay! Yay.
Former, I'm having a little bit of a blam. I'll give him a boom now. 